Madeline Eskadal is the best-selling author of crime thrillers set in seaside New Zealand. Local policeman Bill Granger is hoping for a quiet off-season, but when a narcotics drop goes badly wrong and a man ends up overboard, a straightforward case turns into a complex web of small-town secrets. Welcome to The Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Hi, I'm your host, Jenny Wheeler, and on Binge Reading Today, Madeline talks about growing up on a beautiful Norwegian island and then exchanging it all for the Kiwi coastline as well as the creative spark she's always felt within her and she's always nurtured. In our giveaway this week, Call Off with a new book, a wonderful selection of entertaining fiction free to download for a limited time. It includes Susanna's Secret, my own number two book in the Home at Last series, set in 19th century San Francisco. Details for where to find the books as well as links to the things we discuss, including Madeline talking about the book she's reading at the moment, in the show notes for this episode on the website, thejoysofbingereading.com. And remember, if you enjoy the show, do leave us a review so others will find us too. Word of mouth is still the best form of recommendation and a wonderful way for people to find the show and great books I love to read. But now here's Madeline. Hello, Madeline, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Hello, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's really fun to be able to interview a fellow Kiwi because this is an international show, and you're not that far away from me, are you? Give international readers a sense of where you are in New Zealand. I'm just located north of Auckland, about 70 k's. It's about an hour's drive in an area called Matakana, which is quite a famous wine area. And it's quite, it's full of beautiful beaches, incredible bushwalks, and just the most beautiful environment. And we have lots and lots of visitors come through both in the summer and on a weekend. So it makes it the perfect place to set a pacey crime thriller. That's it. And this book we're going to be talking about today, it's the second in a crime series called the Matakana series. So very appropriate. Now, when I first met you, which was quite a few years ago now, we were both vaguely circling in the romance writer area, and I was assuming you would be writing romances. So what made you get into the crime genre? I think I don't write romance, but the reason why I joined was that I'd met some really lovely ladies who did write romance, and they convinced me to come along. I was more interested in more general fiction. And I've always loved crime, but I think at the time I was writing for my children, so more in the children's arena, nothing published, but still in the drawers. It's still exciting to develop. So the crime writers, it's anyone can go. And I highly recommend if anyone's interested in starting their writing career, because it's all about craft, companionship, super supportive writers. And they just can't help you enough, especially if you're an emerging writer. I still catch up with my romance writing friends and it's just lovely. It's just a lovely community. Yes, I must admit, when I first joined the Romance Writers, which is a few years ago now, they were one of the most welcoming communities that I'd ever 
been around. They were really great to, to, to be able to part, be part of. Look, your first novel, Blood on Vines, was a local bestseller. And this one, which is called Rings on Water, is following close in its footsteps. It, footsteps. it went into the bestseller list last week, didn't it? Tell us yep. about that. It's quite funny. Starting off writing Blood on Vines probably took me about four years. And I'm glad to say that the second novel, Rings on Water, took half that time. So I'm hoping that's a trend that will continue. But the series itself, we've had a place up in this area for close to 15 years. We're now permanent residents here. And I found the environs and the interesting people combined with the influx of visitors and it, it was gold for a crime writer's brain. So the series itself, it was meant to be a trilogy, and I'm writing on the fourth one, which is Angels of Clay at the moment. In the series, we follow Sergeant Bill Granger, who is sole charge of the Matakana Village Police Station for most of the year himself. Now, because it's a wine area, with all the busyness that comes with the summer season and school holidays, he gets uh, um, a young constable seconded up over the summer. His name is Nico Sabuana. He's a young Samoan uh, seconded from the, a very busy area in Auckland, one of the, the busiest districts that we have, South Auckland. Uh, lots of gangs and lots of uh, criminal activity. So basically with Sergeant Granger, they're thrown into all manner of challenging situations. And I think it's also what I write is probably very relatable in a way. It's people and families going through everyday normal issues, teenage children, family drama, and all manner of challenges, things that we all go through. And amongst all this, the tension builds up and as in all communities, revenge and greed pops up mixed with a certain undercurrent of criminal element that makes the books fast-paced and an exciting read, according to readers. That's great. It, it's small-town New Zealand, as you've explained, but unfortunately mm. it has very much a global thread running through it because of the attachment of drugs in small-town communities, and that obviously has become a worldwide problem, the same sorts of drugs, meth and all the rest. How did you do the research for the gritty side? This is rings on water we're talking about specifically um, now. Obviously, uh, I did lots of reading. Research is, is one of my favourite things to do, apart from the writing. To really get into the nitty-gritty, I talked to uh, a whole lot of teenagers about what it's like living in a small town as well as the city and the pressure that they're under, how easy it is to get hold of drugs in a different manner. And also I went through my police contacts and got their perspective. It's very interesting and very scary. And I think I've got young adult daughters, they're just in their early 20s, so they're probably through the worst of that. But I can so relate to perhaps how a parent would feel if this kind of thing would occur and the trauma and the tragic fallout. Yes, because we are two small islands in New Zealand, this opens with a marine, a seaside pickup at sea at night that goes nastily wrong. They're picking up a drug delivery and I think in New Zealand that would be a reasonably common way that they got in large amounts of drugs into these small communities. So that's a very dramatic way for it to open. Thank you. Yes, I wanted it to be punch in the face for long. I like a punchy start to a book. 
and it ends in tragedy, as because you've read it. And I knew I wanted to set the story in the winter months. So New Zealand, with this beautiful climate and lots of sunshine for the rest of the year, the winters can be bleak. They're not cold, but they're bleak and rainy and stormy. And I really wanted to evoke that feeling of inclement weather and wanted that to be the perfect setting. And I think it set the mood for the book. Yes. In fact, the first novel, Blood on Vines, also has a very punchy beginning. I haven't got through the whole of the first book, but I did get into it. And that first opening chapter is terrific. A winemaker, a former winemaker, suddenly meets a rather unpleasant end. And nothing about why this has happened, but it's very attention gaining right at the beginning. That's right. I also wanted to, that, that scene was one of the first ones I had, and I wanted to develop something that would really set you back on, on your heels and go, wow, what's, what is there to come? And build the tension. And I really enjoyed writing the first series, the first book in the series, Blood on Vines. Even though being a novice writer, I wasn't, it wasn't that easy, despite all the workshops and the contacts I had within the writing community. It's lots of trial and error, but I really feel I did it justice. Yeah, you did. But in, in the second book, Sergeant Granger, the local policeman is back with Constable Nico Sopoanga. Um, even though it's winter, Bill's had an accident, so Nico seconded up to help out and, and take the load. Alongside Bill, they fall into a dark and dangerous world of drug distribution and a hardened motorbike gang wreaking havoc while they chase a clever killer. Aptly, after the very action-packed prologue, the story starts on a blustery winter's day when a young woman is found dead at a local beach. So Bill had hoped for a quiet off-season, but instead, like in any small-time community, everyone discovers that secrets run deep. And Bill's own later teenage son gets mixed up in it too. So there's quite an aspect of family emotion in it as well. Look, you're writing right. about your own area. You mention a lot of real name places that local people would recognize, like the local cafe, The Farmer's Daughter. And with these small town communities, I wondered if there were both pluses and minuses to doing that. Do you have neighbors coming frequently suggesting the next one you could do or, or being critical about <laughs> something some local detail that really isn't relevant for most readers. Do and and I actually love it because people uh, feel really invested in the fact that a, a series is set here in their backyard. Uh, I've got a fantastic readership and and I love hearing suggestions. Now I don't take most of those because you can't write about people that you know. But I do, I, I guess living in such a diverse place, it really is gold for a crime writer's brain. I don't think there are too many negatives. The negatives might be that there are too many ideas, but the pluses of this, it's so inspiring and I just so enjoy it. That's fantastic. I wondered, are you indie published at the moment? I am indie published and that's by choice. I guess I was just a little bit too impatient getting my first book out and then it's just the, the wheels are spinning and I'm enjoying it because you are your own boss and you decide and you put the work that you want in. You've achieved something very unusual for an indie author. You've got your books in paperback form distributed throughout the country, which is how you've also got onto some of these bestseller lists because they are widely available. How did you manage that? I often get asked that question. There is no magic formula. I just think 
you have to present a quality product. And I guess coming from a business background, I just found how I approach it makes a difference. So you're using professional editors, cover designers, and maybe a publicist to help push along as well. And it's just all about relationships and having a good relationship with booksellers and readers, book bloggers, and just generally being available. And it's a lot of fun. Like, I'm loving it. What does a typical writing day look like for you at the moment? How, how do you spend your time? How much do you allocate to writing and how much to marketing, for example? I'm an early writer, so I try to get some words down in the morning. I don't have a word count. And I don't believe in writer's block. There are mornings when you don't perhaps feel like you've got any words coming out. But if you just glue your behind on the chair and you just get on with the writing, eventually some good words will come. Yeah. And you can always delete the ones that you don't like. So I just go with that. And how do you eat an elephant? One small bite at a time. So it doesn't matter if one day is 500 words. Or one day is 1,500 words or more. Just go with it, I think. That's great. I think you mentioned earlier, just when you were reflecting on the writing, that you're currently working on book four. Is that right? I'm working on book three, Angels of Play. I've also got a couple of other freestanding projects going on. But getting back to my working day, and you mentioned research, it's actually one of my favorite things to do. And I was incredibly lucky just a few weeks ago to spend some time in the States and attend two writers' police academies, both in Wisconsin. It was just an incredible experience for a Kiwi crime writer because we got to experience things that, even though it's very different, the policing in the States, it still shares similar disciplines. So we got to do anything from advanced driving to using handguns and rifles, to working in the crime lab, working on crime scenes, listening to incredible speakers. It's those kinds of things that just really add to your repertoire and makes your writing even better. I I do go to a lot of talks. I belong to the Forensic Society here in New Zealand. And I just think anything you can learn about what you're writing to make it as authentic as possible is good. That's fantastic. How did you find those workshops? The Writers Police Academy, which was the first one, it's been going for 15 years. Uh, It was in Green Bay this year. And I booked that before COVID. And then the country was closed down and I couldn't go. And this year it, it was open again and it was the very last year. So I thought I'd better go. And then luckily enough, there was another one that opened up within days. And so I was lucky enough to attend both. And I must say, the Americans, they put me on toast. They thought it was wonderful having a New Zealander there. And I so enjoyed my time. And they were just great. It's fantastic. Moving away from the books to talking about your wider career, you referred to a business background. What life and work experience did you have prior to starting to write full time that may have fed into your work and helped you with it? It's a good mix of all sorts of career options. I've worked in anything from a shipping company to a travel agent. We've been in recruitment and most recently we're in an employment business. We assist people into jobs and support them to maintain their work, which is hugely fulfilled. I love it. 
So you're still doing some of that as well as you're writing? A little, yes, a little bit. Part time. Because the writing is now taking over, which is very exciting. That's great. In your About Me section on your website, you do mention that you originally hailed from Europe, from Sweden, actually. And I wondered how you landed on Kiwi shores. Yes, I was born in Gotland, which is an island in the Baltic Sea. So it's right in between the, the Swedish mainland and the Baltic states. It's, it's a beautiful place. Also a tourist place in the summer, which is strange how I've ended up in a tourist place again. I had the best childhood. It's such a historical place. Lots of medieval. The, actually, the walled town is very Harry Potter-esque. Cobblestones, narrow lanes. It's just beautiful medieval houses everywhere. I grew up in the country amongst Viking remnants and rugged coastline. I am a true islander, which is why I so feel at home where I'm living at the beach north of Auckland. I think it's the sea here. But I met my husband, who's a Kiwi, and that's how I ended up here. And I've now been here for just over 30 years. So I, I'm probably, I'm very Kiwi, even though we retain a lot of Swedish traditions and something that my family and my children in particular insist on, which is lovely. Yeah. Yes. We're a combined family. That's gorgeous. Are you seeking to get international distribution for your books? If you sound like you'd be the person who'd be starting to look at that anyway. The, the books are available online worldwide anyway, yes. so you can yeah. order, if you're in Sweden, Denmark, Germany, whatever, you can order the paperback online. But obviously, yeah. translation would be nice. Yes. I, I would definitely be open for that. Yes. And I have a lot of requests from, in particular, Scandinavian readers who would love to read it in, 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 in Swedish or Norwegian or Danish. There's such a lot of really good Scandinavian female crime writers, aren't there? I've ventured a little bit into that ter territory. Camilla Lackberg is one of my favourites. Do you follow them and have you been influenced by them? do, and I love Camilla Lackberg, for example. I was lucky enough to attend a, a crime festival on the island of Gotland a couple of years, maybe five or six years ago. It was called Crime Time Gotland, and they had the creme de la creme of all of the crime writers of the Nordic countries and it was just a fabulous few days in an amazing setting. Camilla Lechberg is amazing. I love her writing. Another one would be Marie Jungstedt. She's also translated. Who else? Linda Olsen. Of course, she doesn't write crime, but she is an amazing Swedish Kiwi writer. Who else? Anna Jansson, Emily Schwick. The list is as long as your arm. And I feel so inspired from especially these ladies. And that's a little bit how I write. I think there's a real Scandinoir twist to my writing. The very everyday settings and situations and then these extraordinary happenings that come along. And, yeah. and I like a bit of domestic noir. I think it's quite nice. Yes, I, I can see that... definite parallels between mm. Camilla and your books. That's great. If there was one thing that you would see as, quotes the secret of your success in your creative career, what would you attribute it to? I just think it's a good work ethic to work hard and to see things through, to give it your all at all times. I think that's it. Finish projects. I'm a finisher. So whatever I start, I like to finish, whether it's a quilt, whether it's a painting or whether it is indeed a, a novel. I like to finish it. Wonderful. Do you do book club chats? And if so, how can people get in touch with you to organize them? 
Absolutely. And I've done quite a few. I've done quite a few Auckland and around book clubs and book clubs up here where I'm living. I also do anything, community chats, like all library talks. I just love meeting people. The best way to get hold of me would be either through my website or on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, all the normal ones. And my details are, are available on all of those. So yeah, Great. happy to do a talk. We will do show notes. In, in the show notes, we'll put those links in. Now, when you do the local ones, do you do those in person or on online? Absolutely in person. I, as many as possible. I love the in person and the chatting and, and not only my talk, but listening to other people's preference of books and what they like in my books and their comparisons. And I like the exchange with people. It's nice. The in-person. Wonderful. We always do to ask our authors about their own reading taste because this is binge reading. And it is really framed for people who love to get into a series and read voraciously through the whole series, but not necessarily so. What do you like to read? And do you read often for escapism and entertainment? Absolutely. I always have a book with me, always a pile on my bedside table, teetering, falling over on her most of the time. I read a lot of New Zealand authors and anything Nikki Crutchley, I love her latest, To the Sea. Excellent. Paul Cleave is one of my very favorites. So he's a Christchurch writer. His latest was The Pain Tourist. Absolutely superb. He's an absolute craftsman. Vanda Simon. So she's also a South Island writer. Her Sam Shepard series, I just love her. And it's, I guess it's very similar to mine. It's set in everyday small town. Her latest is Expectant. What else? Australia. I love Jane Harper. Anything that she does. Exiles. Epic. Adrian McKinty. Brilliant writer. And I loved his book, The Chain. He's also got The Island. But a feel-good book that I've read in the last couple of months was called Penguin Lessons. And it's by an author called Tim Mitchell. And as I work closely as a volunteer with our local little penguins here along the coast, so this top Tom story in this book is about how a penguin by the name of Juan Salvador adopts him. And it's just heartwarming. And if you just want something that's just beautiful and beautifully written, I highly recommend that. But apart from that, anything Scandi, love Scandi Noir. And there's so many, so many. Yeah, that's lovely. Hey, tell us about the penguins. Oh, so I'm part of, I'm a volunteer. So actually, straight after I talk to you, I'm heading out and I monitor the nesting sites. So both man-made, so we have nesting boxes, as well as natural. And one of my favorite spots is, it's an old hollowed out Pahutukawa on the very rocky coast of Tea Point. And we have cameras up, so penguins are nocturnal, so we don't see them, we don't handle them, and you're allowed to touch them. But we monitor their nesting habits, and when they roost, and when they, they have chicks, it is just the best job ever. And are these little blue penguins? Yes, they are. Yeah, the little blue. So they're native to New Zealand and Australia. Uh, so they're tiny, only 30 centimetres in height. And on the odd occasion, you see them during the day when they're out fishing. So you might be out in a boat and you could see them. But they only come ashore around midnight and they feed their young or sit and roost. Often one parent sits on the egg and the other one goes fishing and then they swap. That's hugely rewarding. Lots of fun. That sounds lovely. And they're 
threatened by predators, are they? At the moment, we've seen a decrease in numbers and we're just keeping an eye on all of the data that we collect go to an official database. And it's possibly due to lack of food, slight warming of the sea. So what they feed on goes further out, which means they have to sl- swim further to feed, etc. We're not quite sure, but it's pointing that way. We're trying to educate the public. So when obviously these animals, these birds nest along the, the shore for the public to have their dogs on leads, etc. There was a report recently from Wellington and I think one or two penguins were attacked by dogs and obviously killed. So it's, we just have to be mindful and educate the public in, in that way. Yeah. Talking about dogs, you are a the owner of beloved dogs, aren't you? Tell us about yes. your Westies. Yeah, we used to have three. So the three musketeers, they were quite famous on social media and they were my constant writing companions. Sadly, we lost two last year. But <laughs> at a very ripe old age of 17 and 15. So we've got one left, Archie. So he's 14, still going strong. But I think we are looking at getting some puppies. So <laughs> that'll be fun. <laughs> Looking back down the tunnel of time, if there's one thing you would change about your writing career, what would it be? You know what, I um, reflecting on that, I don't think I would change a thing. I think being in my 50s, I'm quite content and I actually cherish any mistake that I have made along the way. And I think if you can learn something every day, that is just worth so much. So no, I wouldn't change a thing. Fantastic. What's next for you in the next 12 months, looking at your desk, we're talking about your writing life. What's on the horizon for you? Well, the the most important thing would be to finish uh, the next book in series, which is Angels of Clay. I've also got another couple of projects going on. So I think that's going to keep me happy and very busy for the rest of the year. But I am heading off to Sweden in August. I'll obviously take my laptop with me, but I don't know how much writing I'll get done catching up with family and also pursuing a few opportunities. So that'll be wonderful. Great. And can you give us any hint about Angels of Clay? So Angels of Clay is set just before Christmas. So it's summertime in New Zealand. So as summer is starting and Nico is returning to a very bustling Matakana and they're preparing for the holidays and Bill's wife, Annika, her family are coming from Sweden. So it's a lot of busy stuff going on. And we also have an element of a look back, a dual timeline back to the Second World War where we have, I don't know if you're aware, but there were lots of American Marines stationed in and around Walkworth around the Second World War. I think we had 17 Marine camps around this area, which is thousands of soldiers. And they actually built a lot of the infrastructure around here, like the roads, etc. So it's got an element of that as well. That's just be- great. Now you've mentioned you're on I'm impressed that you're on TikTok. You said the usual ones. TikTok isn't usual for me, I must say, but We'll put all those media contacts into the show notes for this episode. Is there anything else you particularly like to mention about the social media? Which ones do you use the most? I probably use Facebook and Instagram the very most. It's fun. 
But I think the most common ones are probably where you're going to get all the up-to-date information. And I put lots of reading recommendations, things I read, things I've been recommended. And I like to show all of the New Zealand authors that we have. It's really incredible fun just to have all these locals emerging and getting known. It is so much talent. That's right. And actually, the New Zealand, the Nio Marsh Awards are coming up just in another couple of months, aren't they, for the best mystery. And Nikki is one of the finalists. And Nikki actually acted as a proofreader for my first couple of books. And we have had her on the show earlier on. So it's great to see the way that she's really powered on in her career. She's amazing. She's just done so well. Such a talented lady. Look, great to talk today, Madeline. It really is. Maybe sometime in the summer we can get together. Thank you so much. Bye. Next week on Binge Reading, a World War II thriller, number six in the Stella Bled Lawrence series by A.W. Hartroy. The battle of Britain rages while Stella sits frustrated on the sidelines. Her husband, Nicky, is unreachable as he risks his life flying in a spitfire and the former spy is sidelined, doing secretarial work for the newly formed British Spy Service, the SOE. That's next week on The Joys of Binge Reading. And remember, if you enjoy the show, leave us a review so others will find us too. That's it for today. See you next time and happy reading.